Everybody knows the deal is rotten. Old Black Joe's still picking cotton for your ribbons and bows. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Welcome to the Lifeboat Hour, September 25, 2015. I'm your host, Carolyn Baker, and I'm so glad you could join us today as we continue to envision, construct, and launch lifeboats to help us navigate these turbulent times. We all need all kinds of lifeboats right now, lifeboats of logistical preparation, which might mean learning skills, or survival skills for living in harmony with the ecosystems. We need lifeboats of learning how to grow things, make things, fix things, and cook things. Lifeboats of creating alternative economies and lifeboats of creating community and support. And of course, the lifeboat that I've been emphasizing for as long as I've hosted this show and at least a decade before that is the lifeboat of psycho-spiritual preparation for living in turbulent times with peace, passion, and purpose. Currently, I have a couple of team members who are committed to helping me construct, launch, and guide people in sailing that lifeboat. One is Peter Melton, who has been on this show several times, and another is my guest today, Dean Walker. I met Dean for the first time in February of 2015 when he and I and a dozen or so other folks had the delightful privilege of taking a trip to Mexico to learn more about Mayan culture in the Yucatan area of eastern Mexico. Dean is one of those very bright lights who doesn't advertise that he's a bright light, but who holds incredible talents and skills that shine brilliantly and that we desperately need in this time of collapse and extinction. Now, Dean Spillane Walker grew up in Southern California, where he was able to immerse himself from a young age in many earthly wonders of that part of the world. He grew up a surfer, sailor, scuba diver, rock climber, and backcountry explorer. Before his 21st birthday, he had traveled numerous times deep into Baja, California, and traveled overland from Paris to India and back, crossing Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Nepal on the way. Now, these were profound learning and living experiences for Dean, and he carries the memories and lessons in his heart to this day. After graduating from the University of California studying psychology, Dean immediately started what would be the majority of his career in corporate youth-at-risk personal development and intimacy training. Dean Walker was at the right place at the right time to bring all of his history with wilderness guiding, experiential learning, and transformation-based training designed to tens of thousands of participants around the world. And if we skip ahead to the present day, we see that Dean has been deeply moved by his exposure to the data and projections used by the folks who are aware of abrupt climate change and systems collapse. He's committed himself to bringing all of his skills and gifts to a world that obviously has not come to anything near full consciousness of this situation. He's working currently on his first book, 
and a series of workshops and video learning pieces, all intended to offer the participant a safe container in which to cultivate optimal presence in the face of our global challenges. Welcome to the Lifeboat Hour, Dean. (laughs) Thank you, Carolyn. That's quite an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, it's all true, you know. And um, <laughs> you did mention in there uh, your your transformation-based learning. What is that, and how did it influence your work and your life? Yeah, it's uh, it was back uh, just as I got back a year-long trip to India with some friends that, that was mentioned in the in, uh, introduction there that I returned to finish up um, my um, college studies at U- University of California, Santa Cruz. And uh, what an amazing place. If you haven't visited the place, it's um, not to mention a great school. It's absolutely gorgeous. And that's where I uh, really got my first exposure to a number of different uh, studies. And this, the one you're asking about, this study of transformation, um, really became the beating heart of, of my um, full life uh, coaching, training, um, learning for, she's well, to this day, but primarily for the first 20 years uh, after, after college. And the, um, the notion of transformation became popular uh, in, I guess it was about the late 70s, with a number of courses that people may have heard of if they're old enough, uh, the EST training, Life Spring, uh, another one called PSI, which is spelled P-S-I, and a, and a number of others that I won't bore you all with. But it, the, the notion was that there was an extraordinary uh, possibility available to people who were willing to do some work, who were willing to um, really open themselves to new possibilities and, and doing um, doing that opening by looking at how they were in their life, how they operate in their life, how their thoughts, their um, emotions, the dynamics that they have with other people, each of those pieces uh, can be uh, polished and cleared and um, disclosed in appropriate ways to have people discover these in themselves that they never would have guessed were in there. Now, a lot of that has become almost commonplace these days in the 30, 40 years that have, that have ensued. But there's still quite a bit in the notion of transformation that is um, just as mysterious and elusive today as it was back then. And so... Uh, it was a privilege to be uh, a part of so many different kinds of courses with, um, in, in so many different environments, from the personal development work to the corporate work and so on. And, and I really have to take my hat off to those corporate people that really saw the possibility of, of having transformation-based work work for their company, because um, I also was exposed to a, a tremendous amount of corporate work that was really nothing more than uh, smoke and mirrors, really something, a company just kind of patting itself on the back and learning to make more widgets better. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the training work was a, a, a really pretty good career. Um, can you tell us a bit mm-hmm. about your experience in the industry, perhaps including some of the dark side as well as the light? Yeah, thanks. I, uh, 
I, I have to start first and foremost by just acknowledging it was a great run. It was an amazing field, and it did uh, provide a perfect opportunity for me to bring not only that study of transformation, but other ki- kinds of psychology and uh, experiential learning techniques and so on to so many different audiences around the world. And so I, the last thing I want to do is complain about that or have some um, judgment about it. Um, but I, to just to keep it real, I, as I just mentioned, um, there's an awful lot of training work in the world, both on the personal development side and uh, especially on the corporate side, that uh, really has no intention whatsoever of anything. And so we, I think we um, have gotten to a refined level collectively in some pockets of really um, kidding ourselves that we have anything any intention whatsoever to change anything. And uh, sometimes those training efforts um, could really be a, an opportunity to validate uh, what's been done and all the money that's been made and how much more money will be made and so on, leaving, ju- well, leaving the blind spots that I think we're going to get around to talking about today. And, of course, you've talked about in all your books uh, and so many shows before this one that um, – how we how we do human being on this planet has a blind spot big enough to drive extinction through and uh, that probably the pinnacle of that is how corporations operate and so want to go down a path you might not want to go too far in but that's that's the direction of the shadow that I was talking about before well absolutely that makes total sense and uh... Clearly, your current work is different from that prior chapter in your career. How is it different? Well, um, <clears throat> I, I've been deeply moved, um, not the least of which that moving well, came from your bo- reading your books and listening to you and Michael Rupert on uh, the Lifeboat Hour and a number of other uh, folks who have uh, exposed me to remarkable uh, not only the information about collapse and near-term human extinction and so on, these, these topics are extraordinarily daunting. But especially for you, Carolyn, your, your work has opened me up to just who, will, who can we be together in the challenges. And uh, that's, that's moved me enough that I, I really can't see anything else to be doing now than some form of this work, whether it's coaching people, whether it's creating video, beautiful video work to accompany the the distinctions of a training, um, the live trainings and and the books and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is really a reflection of my desire to offer whatever I can in a spirit of service to people around the world if, if the reach goes that far if there's any way that I can share things that will be useful in any way to people as they grapple with these large challenges, um, I will consider myself immensely successful. Well, I love the way you put all that. Um, You know, for me, and certainly it sounds like for you, um, transformation on many different levels, waking up is the only game in town. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you are, uh, right now, you're midway through writing your first book. I want to hear all about your book and what inspired you to write it. Well, it's <clears throat> it's really just the next sentence 
uh, <laughs> of what I was saying before. I um, moved by by uh, the folks that I mentioned, yourself at the center. Um, I knew that that to to go to the level that I was interested in participating in. So being on the speaker circuit and producing things that that larger numbers of people would be interested in and might find valuable. I really had to uh, start by writing that first book and just as a placeholder, as something to get me in the door for various interviews and so on. Um, and because that's what the folks that have been mentoring me, yourself included, have been it's really, this is such a useful tool to, for, so people can understand what it is you're saying and what it is that you're pointing toward. And um, there's nothing quite like a book to be able to um, start those conversations and inspire those conversations. So uh, tentatively, the, the title for the book, which I'm hoping to be pr- uh, publisher ready, my fingers and toes are both crossed here, um, by the end of September. And so um, this book is, uh, has the placeholder title at the moment of Beyond Hope, Standing Together for a New Human Operating System. Mm, I love it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I have actually a, a wee bit of um, hesitation with it because uh, some of the words are a bit stiffer or a bit more techy than I feel, than I have be the emphasis. Uh, the emphasis is uh, living a life from our heart mm-hmm. and being reconnected with self, others, and earth. And uh, that can be a little hard to derive from beyond hope, standing together for a new human operating system. But I appreciate your, your acknowledgement. And I guess where, I, where I'm coming from with the title at the moment is... Um, I, I find hope in my exploration and research uh, to get these things, these trainings and so on together. I actually find the word hope being used, um, I think the right word is it's been appropriated. I think hope has been appropriated into an entirely different meaning than we probably mean in our best you know, conversations when we're on our best behavior with each other. It seems like the average person that I speak with about that, when they use the word hope, there's some background definition. Gee, I hope I don't have to get too uncomfortable with all these things coming. Right. And I hope someone finds the answers to this. And if that's even a a fragment true, which when I look in my own self, I know that I have a fragment of that floating around in me. I want to hand the responsibility off to someone else. There's surely there's some expert out there who can solve this thing because I can't. Um, but the, the work that I've put together to be in the book and the trainings and all that is um, really about setting aside that appropriated hope and really keep focusing on what it will take to um, live a positive life in the face of easily the most um, existentially challenging events that humanity's ever seen coming at us pretty darn quickly. And um, the, the really senior focus in that is how can I reconnect with 
the, my inner wisdom, my inner knowing with others and with earth. And if I can just keep it that simple, um, it seems like there's a, a grace that has a chance to show up. When, I, when I'm successful at reconnecting with either any of the three that I just mentioned, the self, others, and earth, um, there's this wave of grace, of release, or of expansion that shows up. And um, that's really what I'm aiming for. Because and, the that other, is, I, and that <laughs> is the different operating system, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that term, operating system, you know, it just fits, yeah, I know it's techie, but in our world today, it fits so well with that new paradigm, with that new perspective that we, mm-hmm. we're going to have to have if we even you know, imagine that we're going to be able to deal emotionally and spiritually with, uh, with what's already happening and what's going to exacerbate, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, Carolyn, it's one thing I've noticed being around you a, a lot, hearing so many of your shows, I can appreciate the depth that so many of your guests go to in their particular expertise. <clears throat> but I'm noticing that even amongst the, the near-term human extinction crowd, the people who are collapse-aware and very conversant, it seems like there's, uh, it's rare that we allow ourselves to really be a safe container for each other to to feel one part of the new human operating system in in what I'm formulating is we've spent plenty of time in our head uh, in the the male-dominated and the head-dominated and the linear world, and my gosh, we've got so many things to show for it, so many miracles, so much creativity. I don't mean to cast aspersions, but it is time for our hearts. It is time for reconnection and um i don't know how that can happen for the average person because i i think we don't honor our emotional world very much we certainly don't offer excuse me honor our psychological shadow uh nearly as much as i believe it's called for i'm very excited that you've got a book about that coming out very soon, don't you? I do. Uh, Dark Gold, The Human Shadow, and The Global Crisis. I'll be saying a lot more about that in the next few weeks. Um, but, you know, um, you're talking about our being able to create these containers for each other, and there, there are many ways to do that. I don't want to narrow down just one, but, but one that I'm really working with that I find incredibly valuable is grief work. Um, where people can come together in a safe and supportive space and grieve together and get support for that and not feel like they're crazy and really be valu- val- validated and and have a sense of deep bonding with the community. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, full disclosure, I, um, my partner and I had the, the privilege of coming out to do a course with you um, in that very thing, the uh, grief ritual in Rhode Island a few months ago. And I, it was just a remarkable, I uh, called it a community, you know, just this, this village that we created, briefly opened it and briefly and closed it when we were done. And in the meantime, it was this magical time out of time 
that happened because we were all willing to be generous and open our hearts and and let each other see that maybe things aren't just fine, you know, the usual response that we get in conversation. And that generosity just spilled over. It actually went on for weeks with people yeah. uh, communicating with one another via email. Uh, just the most remarkable, generous, open-hearted giving with one another. And that's just folks who met for a weekend who, from all over the place. I know that what you and I are both talking about kind of points toward wherever we might live, it would sure be a good time to build something like that kind of community. Absolutely. Well, Dean, you have many qualities that I appreciate, and one that I really, really appreciate is that you're very present and in the moment. You know, when I speak with you on the phone or or on Skype or in person, I feel you just being right there with me. And, you know, I believe that all of us need to work consciously on this one. Knowing what we know about our planetary predicament in what looks like a very daunting future, it's very easy to get sucked into focusing on those, the future, at the expense of being present in the moment. So at your suggestion... I'd like to slow us down right now with a song that you sent me the link to. And as we listen, let's just all take some deep breaths and sit back and just be in the moment as this song invites us to be. It's called Be Here Now, and it's by Ray Lamontagne. Let's listen.
That was Be Here Now by Ray LaMontagne, and this is the Lifeboat Hour. I'm your host, Carolyn Baker, and I'm talking with one of my team members, Dean Spillane Walker, who, along with Peter Melton, has been assisting me in promoting my work in recent months and going forward. Uh, You know, Dean, when I hear that music, it's very hard for me to be here now because you used that piece in the stunning video you made of our Mexico trip. So Mm -hmm. all my associations of that song are with the video, and my heart just melts when I hear the music. Yeah, Yeah, me too. One of my favorites. He's he's a magical performer. Yeah, I've not seen him in concert. Um, You know, maybe I should watch some videos of him. Um, Wasn't familiar with him until you turned me on to him, but uh, what beautiful Mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. So continuing our conversation and speaking of your video work, uh, you've also been a video producer and director for years. Will you be including that skill set in the projects that you're working on? You know, I I can't help but do it because... um, it's it's been such a big part of my life to be creative in that way, but whether it's photography or in music production or or video, and I I am absolutely committed in anything I'm producing to stay away from the fear mongering and the blast furnace type of presentation of what's already disturbing information. And really, what I'm committed to is is bringing as much beauty as I can, whether it's a a coaching session or 
a video segment or something for the live trainings, I think beauty, beauty and humor are probably the best delivery methods of any information or experience that I can imagine. Well, God knows we need both, and uh, I have seen your video work, and it's absolutely awesome, and I don't use that word lightly. Um, So please, by all means, continue with it. We need it. Okay. It shall do. (laughs) Well, you talked earlier about the notion of informed inquiry. What is this notion of informed inquiry, and how will people be able to put it into practice? Yeah. Well, it's... It's really the best tool I could come up with when I was uh, uh, immersed in the information, the uh, collapse and near-term human extinction and so on, that, that form of information last year in particular. I had to really pull out all my best tools from years and years of this training stuff and uh, find the least uh, intrusive and most gentle and powerful methodology I could find because I had never had to grapple with this level of information before. You know, it is absolutely breathtaking, even now, after I am dealing with it constantly in what I do. Um, it still takes my breath away on a daily basis. And this informed inquiry idea is two things, uh, obviously. The informed part was my first job I, that I gave myself was just to find out if this if this information was true, I had to vet the information because it was so mind-numbingly incredible that could this really be happening and in and significant amount of it happening within my lifetime. And I'm a pretty old guy. So I went about doing that. And it, that took something because, as you well know, mainstream media does not make it easy to find out what's really happening. They don't report much, and they distort a lot, and the the corporate and governmental influences on media um, are are pretty... um, There'll be quite a bit of that in my book and so on, but... um, So I vetted the information, is the short version, and I uh, found that I really needed to come up with my own uh, estimation of how would these impacts affect me and my community uh, and when would they be happening because uh, scientists are extremely reticent extremely reluctant to um, put a specific time frame on their projections and oftentimes they're um, reluctant to even be very specific about their the content of their projections or what are the things that are coming so I basically did that. I created my own timelines for what I thought was going to be happening that I would be alive to see. And of course, they're estimates. And of course, they're scientists. So I was just doing my best with what I had. And I'm I'm here to assert that we all do that every day. Only I think the vast majority of us do that without any information or research to speak of at all. Right. You know, certainly a lot of, you know, folks that I know in in my circles, in my world, I will ask them, so what is all this climate change stuff? What what do you think it's going to mean for this area? And it's usually something very vague, like, well, sea levels arise, and I guess it's going to get hotter. And then I ask them, when do you think these things are going to happen? 
and pretty much they are consistent with many of the reports that I am seeing in mainstream media, which keeps using the 2100, the year 2100 as kind of a benchmark that's important to look forward to. And I I know I'm preaching to the choir with your audience, so somebody who's kind of rolling their eyes like, we know, we know, but... Um, I think what's new, what was new to me was just copping to that I I was doing that anyway without much information, and it's a very different thing to learn how to learn about the vetted information, the real research, and so on, and then put together your own estimate because that's what we're doing in as we look at who will we be together in the face of these things. It gives us something to work with, kind of a playing field that we can step out onto and have a sense of where we are and orient. The other, and really this is the larger piece of informed inquiry, is once you've got that estimate for yourself to your satisfaction, then starting to layer by layer ask yourself questions or complete sentences that are offered in the book and training and so on that... um, really invite you to start to answer that question of who will I be in the face of these challenges? Who will we be together? Uh, And I I am very excited about some of my partnerships with other people who, one person comes to mind right now, a a really stellar trainer of parents, parenting, uh, just one of the most remarkable trainers I've ever been trained by. And I'm working with her to um, create an offering for parents and families with age-appropriate children, how do we share this kind of future, this kind of information with our families? Because there are, I think there are many people who will join, I'm sure you, Carolyn, and, and myself, that would far rather be dealing with what's so, what's really true, keeping it real, than trying to keep up this illusion that everything's just fine, we're still college, we're going to have the same investment strategy for the next 50 years as we're a family, it seems like just about everything will need to be kind of like what Naomi Klein says, you know, this changes everything. And I think if that can be done in that spirit of service and beauty and even humor, that's going to be a far healthier family having that conversation than one that keeps not talking about the dead elephant in the middle of the room, that things aren't the same for our children. They aren't the same for us today in this life right now. Absolutely. And as you say all that, uh, first of all, what a wonderful um, project that you're working on with this woman to speak with Mm -hmm. the children about this. Mm -hmm. The other thing that came to mind as you were talking about that is how do people get in touch with you? If they want to learn more about that or anything else that you're doing, um, what's the best way to get in touch? Well, thanks for that. I I will have a uh, website up, New Human OS, New Human Operating System, New Human OS, uh, dot net. But that is probably about as far away as my book right now. It's going to be about a month away. But between now and then and certainly beyond, um, I think the best way for people to get a hold of me is safecircle at gmail.com. I'm Dean Spillane Walker, and it's S-A-F-E, safecircle at gmail.com. 
great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, now, you also referred, Dean, to something called the impossible conversation. What is that exactly besides a possible next book title? Yeah, well, it's definitely a book title. I, I've been having that book idea knocking on the back of my head writing the first one, so I'm, I've got some pressure going on over here. Yeah, absolutely. And really, <laughs> so, you know, the impossible conversation comes from kind of a scruffy surf rat, you know, more streetwise part of me that uh, never really felt completely comfortable in the in the corporate environment. Um, and I, I throw it around as really just kind of a provocative hook. This this is an impossible conversation with kind of an edge to it, and that's just my my fun side. And I certainly don't mean it to be anything uh, other than a deep and good set of conversations with um, experts ranging from folks like yourself to corporate people to politicians to uh, folks from any walk of life. Really, the qualification to be a part of that conversation will be someone with something to say who's willing to keep it real like we were just talking that imaginary family that gathering together and finding the most beautiful way they can talk about creating a new operating system together. And so um, it's going to be, it's already a series of interviews, both audio and video. It will become a podcast again, approximately October of this year. Uh, People can be looking for the impossible conversation. I'm sure on iTunes and so on. And <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you can also look on uh, YouTube. We'll also have the Impossible Conversation channel, and so um, I'll be posting there uh, a series of interviews, and also be uh, posting the kind of video clips that you were mentioning, that um, in which I include as much beauty as I can, and some of it is just so inspiring might not have any information about these days or a new operating system, but I think able to, um, you know, obviously the, the regular conversations take care of themselves in terms of what people are saying. And I actually have a tremendous amount of um, positive regard for when it's just a gorgeous piece of music, like Ray LaMontagne, right. or uh, a gorgeous... Um, video piece. Um, So anyway, I'll be posting those on a regular basis. I look forward to anyone's comments once those are up and any suggestions as well. Great. I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, um, I've alluded to some of the qualities that you bring to your work, and I think our listeners can hear many more of those in your comments. But specifically, what are some of the qualities that you see yourself bringing to your work? Um, I've been blessed the, in my life uh, having a number of remarkable experiences and remarkable teachers and, um, and a couple of um, rather traumatic experiences that turned out to be just as transformational and just as important and good as any of the traditional or positive ones ever were. And out of that, I believe I have a a real access to opening my heart and also conveying um, a sense of safety for those I'm working with or living with 
and um, creating a safe container in which we all can share at that level. We can be vulnerable with one another, interrelated with one another. Excuse me. And uh, I consider that kind of a a mush together of three or four different uh, qualities or attributes that, that have come to me over time, and I'm deeply grateful for each of them. Um, I love my aesthetic, and I'm hoping that it'll be pleasant for other people as well. And um, what I think I can claim about that is that that beauty, that appreciation for beauty, is um, another, I don't know, lubricant, if you will, for opening up how closed down I and we can become in our workaday world over um, a number of practices that I use on a daily basis, that I live on a daily basis, that are really geared toward opening up that heart and keeping it open. And and, um, I am resoundingly more committed now than I ever have been to, to offer my gifts in this, I, I know I, I'm at the risk of being repetitive in a, in a spirit of service, um, and keep reaching out for experiencing the absolute miracle that this planet is and that our lives are. Um, I'm hoping to experience as much as I can of that beauty um, before I die, whenever that is, and um, be a constant invitation for others to do the same. And certainly experiencing it while we still have it, you know. We really need to appreciate what we still have. And, you know, this is something I share with folks when I do life coaching, and I know that you and I both do coaching with folks because we know it's really crucial to have people in our lives who can help accompany us on this journey that we've signed up for, whether we realize it or not. So I'm wondering if you can tell us more about the nature of the coaching that you do. Yeah. Well, um, I have to say that these days, uh, in an odd way, and I hope this comes across well because it sounds a bit twisted, in an odd way, I'm thrilled at that the circumstances are the way they are because it is it is causing an existential level movement in so many people, and I yes. think it will continue to ca- cascade into more and more people realizing this is really happening. These are real things that are happening to all aspects of our world, not just the climate and so on, but literally we can't do business the way we have always have. So every part of my life, my job, my savings, my relationship with my family, how I spend my day, it's going to take a complete dismantling of our old operating system, building, a a co-creating of that new human operating system. And there there has, as far as I can tell, there's never been a a more important reason to to seek out coaching. And my intention, again, is to create a, a safe container where someone who's brave enough to take on this kind of looking can feel that the invitation, the open invitation to feel it all. It's uh, it's an extraordinary time we're in. I never, ever could have guessed that this is what's what was coming our way. 
And I really have redefined hero for myself for these times, not at all to take away from our military and, and others that are so very important in the way they are, but the heroes for me now are the people who are willing to step up and say, I don't have a clue. Live this life, this life that's being demanded of me now. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. wondering, can, can I find support? Can I find my own tribe and support to live with, you know, to live with and around and interact with, and then ideally to find a coach, someone who's conversant with the depth and breadth of what we're talking about and can create a safe space for that dismantling, that inner dismantling that we're talking about. The inner dismantling and the rebuilding, and we need exactly. we need um, you know allies on the journey. We cannot do it alone. Yes. So right now, yes. Dean, uh, speaking of allies, uh, you and our friend and ally Peter Melton are working on an online symposium, which we're going mm-hmm. to air early next year, probably in January. So let's talk about the central theme of the symposium and why we're doing such a thing. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. <clears throat> I'm really excited about that, and and I, you know, I'm just going to be unabashed now with you, Carolyn. Go I for it. <laughs> so honor, I so honor your work and your heart, and uh, you're easily the most prolific person that I can find anywhere on the planet in terms of exactly the nature of this conversation we're having of who will we be together in the face of this this future. And so it's just an honor to be working with you the way I get to from time to time, and it's just a joy. And um, in the course of, you know, throwing ideas around early on, we all talked about, well, what what would we want to say? How would this be different? And we all landed, it seemed, unanimously on, you know, people really don't need a whole lot more, especially collapse-aware people, shortage of the information for those who know where to look. And it's it's actually kind of daunting how almost on a daily basis another accelerating indicator is talked about. And so we all looked at each other and said, no, don't need a bunch of more information, another take on, mm-hmm. you know, what does this look like that's coming at us so so ferociously? How about if we were to touch in with the, the experts in their fields and briefly get their update and then find out how how does this move them? How does this affect their life, their heart? their relationships because they're you know they're the ones on the front lines they're way ahead of the the average person in society who barely has a clue so they've got this heart full of knowledge and reaction and emotion and so we're going to be asking each of our guests to share what's what's particularly heavy on their heart and how do they grapple with that? How do they cope with that? Yeah. You know, uh, it comes back to, it It just keeps coming back to uh, the question that you keep asking, which I love, and I've been asking this question for years. Who do I want to be as an individual, and who do we want to be together? And that's really yeah. going to be the focus of this symposium. The format's going to be online 
online live video uh, interviewed, you know, an interview with one of our our speakers, our guests, with an opportunity to receive thought questions ahead of time before each interview so that we can discuss them with each other and with our guests uh, as well as other questions that come up in the moment. And this is going to be an excellent opportunity to think and feel together and to deepen our sense of community with each other beyond the support groups that already exist on Facebook. Of course, we're going to be advertising all over the Internet and certainly on Facebook, my website, what will soon be your website, and many other places. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so glad you reminded me about the, actually a chunk of the informed inquiry that I was talking about before you mentioned here. And I'm, I'm very excited to get people's feedback uh, because we will be sending out sample questions, a, a small um, sampling of questions each week before the interview and uh, the, the, the broadcast session. And um, so people will have an opportunity to, to ask themselves these questions, to fill in the blanks in these open statements and to explore for themselves just that that very central question of who will I be in the face of this. So... Um, very exciting time to have the first exposure of this informed inquiry process as well as hearing from the guests. Yes, it absolutely will. Um, wow, it's just really exciting. Um, you know, we're almost finished with our interviews of guests, and now we just have to kind of put this thing together and, you know, uh, move forward with advertising and letting people know about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a fabulous way to begin the year, and uh, hopefully it will it will lead to more of this kind of informed inquiry where, where and and also deepen our sense of community with each other. I, I think that is so essential, and you know, thank God for this technology where we can get online and have these kinds of discussions from all over the world. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, I'd like to put out one more uh, announcement or request, if I may. Sure. That uh, last time we had a chance to talk, I um, it was it was I'm sorry, it was on uh, Extinction Radio. I think I, I had a conversation, and someone called, uh, contacted me through that email address, the Safe Circle at Gmail dot com, mm-hmm. and we've had an ongoing conversation now about how could this kind of Material, this kind of exploration, be used in an, in a multicultural setting. Yeah. So that's that's a whole different little blossom coming yes, out of this absolutely. conversation. Yes. And this is a time of formulation. So, if there's anyone else out there, for instance, in this parenting conversation and and, a, and the coursework that will undoubtedly come out of that, if that's of interest, please you know write me an email and we'll connect up and I'll keep you posted. And if you have other thoughts about other directions for this work uh i'd be more than happy to brainstorm with you this is uh, absolutely in a time of get uh, together our tribe wherever we live and our associates around the world and uh, to keep exploring what's possible uh, really how good are we willing to let it get in terms of our relatedness with ourselves with each other and and with the earth 
Thank you so much, Dean. I want to repeat your email address to folks, safecircle, S-A-F-E-C-I-R-C-L-E, safecircle at gmail.com. And thank you so much, Dean, for being with us on the Lifeboat Hour today. I'm so glad you're in my life and that I get to work with you and Peter. And thank you for the incredible gifts you bring to all of us at this unprecedented time in human history. Many thanks Mm. and many blessings. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Absolutely a pleasure. And thank you to the audience for listening and staying tuned with the Lifeboat Hour. You're doing such a fine job. Thanks, Dean. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. Everybody knows the deal is rotten. Old Black Joe's still picking cotton for your ribbons and bows. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lies